Traveling the Vortex Doctor, as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode 561, where you're having a giraffe. I'm Keith. <laughs> I'm Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I might try to do an accent and then give up. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Keith. Uh, you, 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 we broke Glenn. You're going to have to do it again. No, let's leave it. We don't we, get that kind of reaction that leave. opens very often. All right, I'm Glenn. <laughs> it be one of those kinds of shows, folks. <laughs> if you're driving, you might want to pull over. <laughs> oh, how's everybody doing? Anybody do anything fun this week we had a little family movie night on the long end we watched teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem Hmm. in two sittings but (laughs) and how was it it was pretty good both sittings both sittings Uh, they paid more attention probably once we actually watched the second half of it than the Liam got restless on the first half, but he paid attention to the second half pretty good. Hmm. They both, they both the kids liked the movie a lot. Um, I thought it was good. It was kind of a standard Ninja Turtle movie, but it, it was nice to have something at least different as far as the villain goes, and you know, kind of a not necessarily a different origin, but a slightly different. I mean, actually, no, it's not that different. The, the style of the animation was enough to make it feel different and fresh ah. take on, on the story. Because mm. as I understand it, just from the little pieces I've seen, it's kind of sort of similar to uh, Spider-Verse, yes? Uh, it's kind of. Um, yeah, it's that sketchy style, but I think it kind of leans a little more into the CGI look to it than Spider-Verse does. I think I've always thought Spider-Verse looked... A lot more hand drawn, but there, there's elements of both to it. It's 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 the next wave of that new style of animation for sure. Gotcha. Melding the two together, and it had some it's it had some good humor. The teenage the kid the turtles were actually kind of teenager esque and acted kind of like teenagers, and so I thought it was it was kind of nice to have that because we don't have get that very often as far as. The Ninja Turtles go. They always seem to act like they're in college or later than that, even. Well, I heard a lot of the well, uh, is... camaraderie that they get between the kids or the because they're well, number one, they're actually teens that are they mm-hmm. got voice for it, but also the the camaraderie is really good because they had them all re- record in the same room together. So they said that energy was passed between each one of them, and so I think they said that helped. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. And it comes across on screen. And April, I thought, was a nice... There were some nice modifications to her and the fact that she's in high school, too. She's a teenager. She's not some, you know, already a reporter learning about this. She's kind of an aspiring reporter. So that was was kind of a nice change of approach to it all. Hmm. And the villain, I think, makes it a little bit more refreshing, too. It's not the same old villain every single time. Of course, they tease Shredder for the sequel, so, you know, <laughs> that's coming. <laughs> what about you guys? We also did a movie night. Um, I introduced Shy to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, uh, as part of our Disney prep, figuring that, you know, she's going to be writing Rise of the Resistance. It's probably, that's the one to show her. And um, I have tried unsuccessfully twice before to get Shy to watch any Star Wars. Um, and with the movies, she just could not care. It is just is, is not something she enjoys. She enjoyed what we watched of Clone Wars and Rebels, but primarily only the episodes with Ahsoka. Um. She's not tried the TV show Ahsoka yet, but uh, 
she's you know just just not into the movie so i thought well we'll try with this and she kind of sort of barely tolerated it uh and then han solo came running up into the millennium falcon and she brightened and went indiana jones (laughs) (laughs) so i can't be too hard on myself i'm doing something right yeah yeah um but that took an interesting conversation to try and explain because she was like why is indy here and he doesn't do space. I mean, <laughs> well, he's an actor. He's doing no. That's Indiana Jones. He's not an actor. Mm-hmm. I was okay. You know more than I do. Um, and then again, she kind of tuned out for a bit until Kylo Ren took his helmet off. <laughs> then she was glued. <laughs> <laughs> so I think she may have a little thing for Adam Driver. <laughs> She's got her first crush. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of it kind of went okay. Glenn, I got a chance to watch Doctor on Display. This is the second <clears throat> or the most recent Blackpool release. It's actually called Doctor on Display Blackpool 2004 to 2008. Actually, going to be my something new two minute review. And this is another one of the um, real-time videos that they've been doing. It's kind of a behind-the-scenes. The first exhibition had closed in 1985. And so 10 years later, uh, David Boyle, who he, he, in 1995, uh, David Boyle, he founded the Doc 2 Experience. And, and I apologize to my UK listeners. I will butcher this name. But in Langolan, I believe, Wales. Um, and then it ended up getting closed in 2003. Well, the if if you don't know where that is, it's actually right next to the Daypole uh, factory, which originally I think was a toy uh, train company, but they also got licensed for Doctor Who merchandise in the 1990s. So they were actually making uh, merchandise in the UK in the 1990s. Anyway, he decided that he was going to move the event back to Blackpool, and he got the BBC's blessing, basically, because he already had all the stuff. He got a spot and they put it back in Blackpool and it, it actually ran in Blackpool from 2004 to 2008, as the title says. Um, I think David Tennant came in and presented one day. Um, this was right on the just as the show was coming back, obviously. And so they didn't get it. They had a lot of classic stuff. They didn't get a lot of new stuff. But I guess this thing was insane and people were showing up by the droves. And of course, BBC kind of decided, well, maybe there's something here, and they decided to take all their stuff back. So he ended up having to close it in 2008. But uh, it's a really great documentary. I think, unlike the first one, they actually talk more about um, the exhibit itself and not so much about Blackpool, which is what I was didn't like about the first one. Um, but I think it came down to the fact that they had a lot more video uh, this time, probably because it was more recent, so they had more stuff. But um, it's a really great uh, documentary. I Again, you can get it from real-time pictures. They do have a uh, download version, which is how I got mine, but there is on, it is on DVD, and I recommend anybody that can get their hands on it and wants a little uh, uh, look back at how Doctor Who was presented um, to the public in Blackpool. Take a, take a look. And that's my something new two-minute review. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts 
or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Let's move on to our reviews. We are once again reviewing Once in Future, which is the uh, Big Fetish 60th Anniversary Fair. And this time we are joining a, um, what is it, degenerated uh, into the sixth doctor. And Colin Baker is performing this time. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Once and Future, Two's Company. Degenerating? I'm fluctuating between incarnations in no discernible order. I'm besides this place like a mansion. That sound. You must recognize it. Harry. Who do you answer to? To you, Doctor. A future you. I'm looking for Lady Christina D'Souza. Stay right where you are and put your hands on your head. Oh, behave. Is your mum in? The place is booby-trapped. Excellent. I love a challenge. Ah, you don't improve with age, Sullivan. Doctor, what is that? Motorbike. Helmets? Sorry about your curls, Goldilocks. A sidecar? You're having a giraffe. A degenerative weapon, I wonder. Big finish for the love of stories. Back on Earth, the Doctor finds a clue in the search for the origins of the degeneration weapon. In his sixth body, he meets Jackie Tyler and Lady Christina D'Souza thrown together by fate or something more in pursuit of a powerful item of jewelry. Meanwhile, a, ti- a, rene- a time Lord renegade has duped Harry Sullivan into helping him stop the doctor's travels before they begin and are all set on a collision course. Bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. Sean, you want to go first? Um, I was not expecting the pairing of <laughs> Jackie Tyler and <laughs> Lady D'Souza to be at all complimentary. Um, it just this is this is oil and and and, and vinegar, oil and water. I don't know. This is some terrible, terrible, terrible combination that would not work. And I enjoyed listening to the two of them so much that that chemistry overrode any problems that I could probably come up with uh, regarding the actual plot of this thing. Mixing in the sixth doctor. Well, the chemistry between the sixth doctor and Jackie yeah, was that, also another, just as enjoyable and so much fun to listen to. <laughs> you know, again, on paper, there's no way this is going to work. You know, somebody with a very devilish grin went, well, what if we did this? And everybody went, ah, no, no, man, we're not going to do that. But then they did it, and it worked so well. Um, and then Harry, the, the chemistry between the Sixth Doctor and Harry, where... I, I, I was a little pleased to see how much the Sith Doctor had softened on mm-hmm. Harry over the years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Of, if any of the Doctors was going to bluster and, you know, yell, Harry Sullivan is an idiot, I fully expected it to be the Sixth Doctor. But he just kind of, oh, you poor dear man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a set that... This is a story that shouldn't work. It just should not work, but it does, and it does wonderfully. Yeah, it's it's such an eclectic cast, and I I completely echo what you said. I think that I I thought that the Doctor and uh, Jackie would come to more of a loggerhead than they did too, and that they would be very combative and very you know very much back and forth, but they, they really aren't. There's almost that there's that a little bit of that resistance by both, especially from Jackie's point of view, because, you know, well, where's Rose? What's going on? And so it, that I expected to be a little more combative and it wasn't. And it was actually kind of refreshing that it wasn't because, yeah, I think it, it worked so much better. 
I agree with you with Jackie and Lady Christine. Christina, I think that what I like about Lady Christina, and I've always liked about the character, is that she is this high society woman with the title, but she's not snobbish. She's very down to earth. She's very mm-hmm. could be your, you know, your your buddy and go out for a drink with them. She and I think what I like too is that Jackie's going to get this job that I I'm assuming it must have been River that that gave her the the uh, that oh, nudged yeah. her in that direction, right? They never actually say it, but that it's it's very much telegraphed. Um, but anyway, and they you pretty know, much confirm it in the behind the scenes too. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then so you know she goes, and I think she has these expectations of what Lady Christine is going to be like based on where she lives, and she goes there, and they just get along really well, and I absolutely loved that. And in fact, when there's that moment where she's got the the jewel. And Lady Christina is trying to ask about the jewel. And Jackie almost gets a little, you know, defensive, like, well, I didn't steal it. You know, she immediately thinks. And I think anybody else in that position may have, you know, been snobbish enough to think that she, you know, accuse her of thieving that from 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 the house. And but Lady Christina's not that. She recognizes that what she wants to know is well, where did you get it? Because it's such a rare object and it's not even from here. And so I liked that. And again, and I'm going to just echo what you said again about Harry and the doctor. I really expected Colin Baker's doctor to be even more uh, disparaging and degrading of of, um, Harry. And he's not. He's actually borderline abusive. Yeah, he has softened. He has softened a lot. And. It's almost like he feels more sorry about the imbecile than he does, you know, frustrated <laughs> with him as 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 the fourth doctor did quite often. But yeah, it's just it's it's really good. I think one of the things that I got a little lost on was I thought they were going a different direction because when they were in the house, when Lady Christine's house, and Jackie was in one wing of the house and she was cleaning and she heard the voices. I thought there was going to be more to that. I thought there was going to be more of a reason for those voices. I think they were implying that the voices were manifesting from the jewelry, right? Is that, or yeah, did, or did they just leave that like, hanging? No, they, they, I think they pretty much confirmed it that it was glimpses of the future or the past through the jewel. Right. And she thought it was the dolls that were <laughs> talking yes, or whatever. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So, the doctor kind of explains it away in a quick one line. Well, I think that's the problem thing. too. Is I, I mean, th- thank goodness they weren't, uh, you know, ventriloquist dolls. <laughs> because... <laughs> I think that's the, mm-hmm. the the issue that I have with it too is that that wasn't addressed more forwardly, and maybe I'm just too daft to figure that out. But I think I don't mean I I I got there eventually, but I was a little I was a little taken aback because I thought they were going to go somewhere with that, and they didn't go you know, they didn't go anywhere with it. It just needed to be that piece that Harry needed to come by in order for, we haven't even talked about the two, which now yeah. we're in an early incarnation yeah. of, of the two, uh, the earliest that we've found that we've found so far. Yeah. And, um, what a great performance. And I love the fact that we're bouncing through this character's timeline, this time Lord's timeline, because while we're not doing it linearly, which can sometimes be frustrating, this really kind of makes it a little more interesting because you're learning little bits and pieces about the past lives that he's had in, in, or they've had in uh, many instances. And I think that that's really, I kind of, I'm enjoying learning about the two in it or this time Lord in general out of order. (laughs) And I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, and it's from what I understand too, it's, even not just us for big finish. It's kind of the earliest incarnation they put on audio Yeah. other than, you know, the additional voices in the head. So it's nice that we get of this kind of adversary to the doctor and why they are out to get the doctor. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's, it's really well crafted and really well performed. Yeah. And just hand waving enough of a situation that, you're like, okay, I'll buy it. Right, right. It's very much in line with Harry to have fallen for the two being in another incarnation of the Doctor. And to give him some credit, I mean, he does know Time Lord physiology. It is 
um, not. I don't think you. It's not too far out there that that would happen. I think though that the mannerisms of the doctor and some of the thing or of of the 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 two, but disguised as a doctor, those mannerisms. I think that I think Harry should have caught on to a little sooner that something wasn't quite right, and he kind of does later in this story, and especially when he meets the doctor and he's trying to explain, well, this is a, a different incarnation of you. So, you know, I, I, w- I kind of wish Harry had caught on a little sooner because I don't think Harry, I think we give, we don't give Harry enough credit. I think he's a smart yeah. person. He's just, he does some bumbling kind of things. And so I, w- I wish they'd have given him a little more credit in this story as well, but I, that's, I don't, I'm not bothered that much by it. Well, and, and the way they present it, I can fully understand why Harry would believe that. I mean, the two straight up was lying that yes, I'm the doctor. I have lost my TARDIS and I have this disease that's causing me to have this additional voice in my head. I mean, he laid it out basically of here's my entire lie. And why would Harry believe otherwise? Because it's another time Lord. And it's just the fact that Harry is trusting makes it seem like he's a bumbling idiot. He just believed it was his friend and he wanted to help his friend. So he started helping i mean that's what he does that's yeah. why one of the reasons why he's such a great character is he, he is trusting and he does want to help all of his friends and do whatever he can to try to make the situation better exactly and he's so earnest about it and yeah i, I think there's a fine line to to walk between you know mickey the idiot <laughs> versus harry who is is portrayed as kind of a bumbling idiot, and he's not. He, he I mean, he's he's a medical doctor. He's not dumb at all. He's just so far out of his depth with meeting the doctor and going on these adventures in space and time, and doing all this kind of stuff. So the fact that he has been spun this yarn, oh, I've lost my TARDIS. I've got this. I've got this. This is not even the most outlandish thing that Harry would have heard from the doctor today. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is, this is just, considering okay, yeah. how much the the, doc, the fourth doctor berated him, I mean, <laughs> this yeah. two's behavior isn't that far out of the realm of possibility. And Harry's probably a little cow-toed at this point, going, "Okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do the right, we'll do the thing." Um, and so I think that Six's reaction to him, while I expected to be much more severe, I'm so glad it wasn't because. It, it, it's it's almost like there's a moment of of, of inter, uh, introspection and reflection there on the on the on the doctor's part to go. Yeah, I was kind of mean to you, and I can see why you believed this guy, and mm-hmm. so I'm not going to fly off the handle about this. We're just gonna because you know, oh, you mustn't tell the other me about me. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, that <laughs> sounds completely reasonable dealing with. With time difference. Yeah. And time travel. And, yeah. you know, you'll destroy the universe as we know it. Okay. I won't say anything. I mean, I, 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 I'd buy it. Mm-hmm. I don't blame Harry at all. So, well, and the fact that Harry and Unit is aware of the time war. And so they want to try to, you know, tiptoe around that also. It mm-hmm. makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. That's true because he is still working in the capacity unit. And you're right. They they were trying to get as much information about the time ward as they could. Good story. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Kheshki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. This is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am Sadie Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. 
I'm Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Of course, we are still following Doom's story as we progress through her day. And uh, we come to our next review, which is Four from Doomsday, which is a BBC audio comprised of four stories, which I believe are all written by the same person. Keith, do you have a synopsis for these? Yes, but my pages are reloading. Give me a second. <laughs> I don't know why. I had it open. It was fine. Darn technology. Darn Chrome. Hired assassin Doom is on a mission to save her own life before death catches up with her. But if she can find the doctor, they might be able to help her. But where in space and time are they? These four missions, the Steel Cascade, the Martian Dilemma, and Ood Halloween, and Dark Space take Doom on a Mediterranean cruise in 1966, the planet Mars in the distant past, San Francisco in 1999, and finally a desolate planet in a dying solar system. Along the way, she meets TARDIS travelers Ian and Barbara, the mighty ice warriors, and Brian the Ood. But when a mysterious stranger with silver hair and sunglasses turn up, will he be the Doom's salvation? Um, bum, bum. I'm kind of middling on this one. I don't think any story was bad, but I'm not sure that I thought any story was great either. But Keith, you want to go first this time? Let's take them one at a time, obviously. And we'll start with, uh, what is it, Steel Cascade. Yeah, they just didn't do individual synopses. Yeah. Uh, Because really they deserve their own synopses because they are each standalone stories. And the only connection of them is Doom. That's my that her. was my first disappointment about this is we we complained about this last time was the fact that the stories interweaved so well in the in the book and then we go back to this format of just one story at a time when they easily could have interconnected them all since they were all written by the same person mm-hmm. too that's that's what's frustrating about it but a steel cascade I thought was a really fun enjoyable story you know we getting Ian and Barbara back on earth traveling the world not wanting to sit still anymore which i think is a great uh, statement on their characters and makes sense mm-hmm. a nice kind of return to them and the fact that you know doom it's a bit of a coincidence that doom scrambles into them other than i guess i can kind of explain away the fact of she's trying to latch on to any sort of time travel and they would have time travel artron energy on them that's kind of the only what they seem to be fast and loose with why she chooses the missions she chooses um but that's i guess neither here nor there because they really don't have as i don't think uh, probably a strong enough editing overall editing hand on what's going on but as far as the Steel Cascade, I think I thought it was a very, very nice revisiting with Ian and Barbara, um, Doom getting to kind of catch up and hear about all their adventures with the Doctor. I thought was nice, and then the overall mystery and plots was yeah, okay. An assassination that goes wrong and isn't quite what she thinks, and Ian and Barbara kind of help save the day. And not bad. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I I think that this is the this is the closest though. I think she's gotten to the first Doctor tangent and <laughs> tangentially. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, it's you know she's one one command you know a companion or two removed. But um, I think that that's I I'm with you. I'm I'm wondering why because Terry's just giving her these assignments. I mean, she gets to pick from them. She gets a scroll of assignments that Terry puts out there and she's choosing the ones that she wants for the most part but i don't think they've done a good job explaining how she does just out of dumb luck end up you know meeting with joe grant and meeting up with barbara and ian and and arian and um, yeah barbara and ian and i just that's one of the things that bothered me that has bothered me all along about this is there's no rhyme or reason 
why she's it's encountering. It's a lot of coincidence. Right, exactly. And so I think if maybe they explain that, even with just a kind of a wave of the hand or a drop, dropped line somewhere, I'll be better with it. But I thought this was, this story's kind of just fun. It's a fun kind of James Bondy adventure. At least it, it tries mm-hmm. to be kind of a James, it's almost a, a Woody Allen James Bond movie. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, uh, you know, it's got all the, uh, trappings of it i i didn't expect when we find out what the uh, or the the object or the thing that's in the vial when she throws it on the ground and then when barbara asked her why did you do that and she's well i expected a bang you know she she thought it was gonna blow up she didn't know it was gonna spill out and start eating all the metal and everything in its sight but um i was you know i was kind of okay with that i thought it was a little bit of a, a fun moment there um i liked that they get separated from Ian and she goes with doom and they get to kind of do the heroic thing and their escape, you know, having to go out through the water that's already uh, flooding in, I thought was pretty exciting. It was pretty intense. Um, so overall, I, I enjoyed this story. It's just kind of middle of the road. There wasn't anything super exciting about it. It was nice to, you know, revisit Ian and Barbara again and it was nice to hear the character somewhat in Suze Kemp- Kempner's voice now. This is our first, with the exception of the little interlude she's doing in between and the, and the, and the uh, trailer. This is really, we're getting doom in her voice. And I think it's settling in a little better for me. Um, and so I think that this story didn't really subverse anything that has come before as far as the character goes, subvert as far as the character goes. And so I was kind of glad for that because I was afraid once we heard Susan, the part and again, she's still narrating. She's not necessarily, you know, next, next week or not next week, but next review that we do of doomsday, we're actually going to get a full on acting uh, role from her. But I, I think she's, I, I think it works for me. And now hearing doom in her voice, I think even Though, for some reason, there's two other people reading other stories on these <laughs> set, which I don't understand. I mean, it's, well, yeah, Silas Carson one makes it. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I was, it was a fun story. I, I didn't have any problem with it. Sean? I think you're missing the point. Both of you. Um, story one is great. And it's great because not only do we get Ian and Barbara post their travels with the first doctor, not only do we get Ian and Barbara, uh, you know, restless and, and, and still having that sense of adventure and traveling the world, we get Ian and Barbara together. Further confirmation. Like as a legit couple sharing a stateroom. So, that's that's worth the price of admission right there because for those of us that ship ian and barbara this is like yeah told you <laughs> this was this was a long time coming but i love the fact that they are ian and barbara they are are, are very much portrayed and uh, uh feel like the ian and barbara that we know and remember and 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 and, and kempner's um narration of them is is fairly spot on. I mean, it's not a not an impersonation. It's not a sound alike or anything, but just the the, the inflections are there. And well, Ian I, was you know kind of crotchety, but yet sounded like Ian. I would love Seuss Kemper to um, be Barbara in audios here going forward because I thought she had her down perfect. Yeah, she really had Barbara. And I love the fact that we take the fairly standard trope of, you know, well, the woman's going to fall down and nearly be eaten by the monster because that's what happens in all the horror movies. But this time it's Ian who trips and, oh, I've sprained my ankle. <laughs> Barbara's <laughs> like, well, I'll go and do the thing. No, you won't. Yes, I will. Go go get a light. I was not expecting as big of a finale for uh, a, yeah, a, that's true. a story that's dealing with just a couple of, uh, you know, assassination attempts and a Russian agent and... You know, okay, it's going to be a little thing on a boat, and we're going to have a, a body to get. No, we're going to destroy the entire boat. We're going to have to go down into the bowels of the ship and blow a hole in it, and then swim out from. A... You want to talk James Bond? This is James Bond. I mean, it was just like wow. I, I was totally taken aback by just 
the the scope of this story, let alone these little uh, you know nanobot things. Oh, the Steel Cascade! What a clever name! That not, is a clever. Yeah, it's it's not a Russian spy. It's this thing. I I bought into it. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm on board. So I, you know, maybe I'm easy to please, but I I really 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 <laughs> well, liked this one. As far as the relation thing, I I tend to forget that you guys haven't read other media. There's there's other media that have put Barbara and, and Ian together, and and I for some reason I I thought we did Hunters of the Burning Stone, which is an Eleventh Doctor comic, but I must have read that on my own. But they they actually are wed in that one, so. And then I, think I remember that one too. The, uh, yeah, I, I remember several others. I can't well, name them. Well, the uh, the story that we did with Barbara and Ian, not Barbara, uh, Susan and Ian, uh, where they went, she, they helped with the sense sphere. Um, mm-hmm. That particular oh, one. Yeah. I mean, Ian was. They were living together, so it was implied that they had a relationship there as well. So. I just, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, I didn't need the confirmation that they were a couple, you know, Mm -hmm. I've, I've had that for a long time. As, as Keith was about to say that that they were, this is young Ian and Barbara, that it's, it's, it's easy for us to have done like the sincere one where Ian is significantly older and okay. Yeah. He comes back home and then Barbara comes home, but we never really get them together. You know what I mean? Oh no, no, I know. So it, it, yeah. it's nice and easy to imply that, oh, they've had this life together, but this is in the thick of it. This is seeing, in the, seeing the life together is a nice, yeah, 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 that, yeah that, okay. that was the, and I suppose that, yeah, Hunters of the Burning Stone already does that for me. So I don't remember that one. Yeah. I, we, we talked about it one time and I thought we had reviewed it and apparently we haven't. So hmm. it was an 11th well, doctor we... comic. So. I think my frustration with it is more the doom aspect of it. I, I agree with Sean with what you said about all about the steel cascade idea being cool and, you know, Barbara, it's just, it feels like doom stumbles into the situation, makes the situation worse and then comes out on top every time. Yeah. Doom <laughs> is get, not a good assassin. I, I, yeah, for being the world's, the universe's best assassin, she seems to muck it up quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know part of that is, pro- I, I can explain part of that away with, you know, she's scrambling because of the doom, the deadline over her shoulder, but it's still kind of like, I get the impression that this is how she operates anyways. Mm-hmm. It's very rarely that it, she feels like she's a competent assassin. It always, and, and it wouldn't make it as interesting of a story either. I, I get that of the fact of, oh, if he, she shows up, knows what she needs to do and does it, the story won't be as interesting and have as much drama. But I kind of would like that a couple of times to prove that she's a good assassin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So far, the only ones that we've really gotten where she feels competent, I think, is the... Um the book or the novel yeah that we just did yeah, yeah. that that one she felt he, he, the, the stakes and the scope were so much larger over the course of those four hours but for all of the trials and tribulations that doom went through they felt like trials and tribulations that she was not on her back foot for mm-hmm. yeah that, that she was thrown into it and dealt with it versus right. Right. so much of these other stories so i agree with that Well, let's move on to the Martian Dilemma, which is the next one. Um, let me start. I, I actually kind of enjoyed this story, and mostly because there's not a lot to it. It's obvious when we get into it, why even early on, why she's there. And, well, it's not super early on, but it's, you know, eventually you know that she has to be the one that is taking out the the queen of this because they've decided that if they don't, then society, you know, isn't going to go the way they want it, which is the the more warlike. She's this peace, uh, you know, promoting uh, monarch. And I, I, I thought that was kind of a clever way to start. We're so far back in Martian history and this is pre warring uh, ice warriors and they don't even Doom doesn't know that this this ever happened. And so it's like one of these 
unrecorded histories that nobody knows about. And there's a reason why nobody knows about it. Um, I like the that it comes down to the conflict between the, the husband and the wife. And I'm, I can't remember the names of these Keelix and I don't remember who the other one was anyway. Um, but I like the, the intrigue and it comes down to realizing that the husband had, or the lover, whoever was the one that had, uh, you know, hired the assassination on her. And then, then the way the, where they go with it from there, I thought was really clever too. So it's, it's a really good story. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. I, uh, I, I, I was a little disappointed in a way that it turned out to be the, uh, the husband, the consort, uh, consort, just because it feels like that's a, it feels like that's a very familiar ice warrior thing that, you know, it's always the husband or the, the wife that set them up. Um, and I, I, if push came to show, I think I could probably only think of one other story where that's been a thing, but it feels like we've had a couple of them now. And, um, so that was a little predictable, but beyond that, this was just a fun story and, you know, Hey, ice warriors, cool. Hey, you know, Proto Mars, cool. Hey, we got. There's just a lot of neat stuff going on in this one. We just and again, Doom feels like, you know, she's relatively competent in this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just recently, just you were thinking about uh, this wasn't Ice Warriors, but the Rachnos story that we did with Fifth Doctor was very much the same kind of thing. Where oh yeah, yeah. that's the one I was yeah. thinking of, Keith. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was okay and a little, but a little hard to follow in what was truly happening as far as the politics of Mars and the Federation goes, considering this queen and whatever she was behind never came to fruition. So it it seems a little odd and strange that we would spend all this time for this sort of story. She doesn't assassinate who she's supposed to assassinate and takes off and it doesn't have an impact on society. Right it felt like it didn't want to commit to anything to me. That's a good point. That's fair. Well, the one thing it does set up though, is uh, a reason to bring uh, Brian, the Ood in <laughs> for our next story. <laughs> and Ood Halloween. Yeah. I enjoyed this one immensely, but I enjoy Brian, the Ood immensely. So. <laughs> well, why don't you go ahead and go first? Um, at first I, you know, okay, we're on earth. We're in San Francisco. It's 1999. And I jumped. I know what we're doing. <laughs> it's Halloween. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> too, so close. Two months too soon. Long holiday. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I got, I got a little, um, abnormal visceral thrill out of that. Um, <laughs> But, but but Halloween's cool, and then Brian the Ood shows up and makes everything better. <laughs> um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the the uh, reader, the narrator of this part, uh, is the actor who plays Brian. Yes. Silas he plays Carson. all the Ood. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought so, but uh, just want, we just wanted to be sure. I think the only problem... Well, per se that I had with this he one is he plays Ood Sigma. He doesn't play all the Ood. Oh, okay. That's he true. plays Ood yeah. Sigma. Yeah. I think he's played most of the Ood in Big Finish. Yes, too. that is true. Yes. Yeah. I think the only problem that I had with this one is the the we're gonna drive all the way across town and the monster still beat us here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there were there were several of those type of Oh, we're on the trail of the thing. Well, we've got to get over here. Well, let's teleport. Oh, he's already here. Well, now we're going to steal his car. Okay. Hey, he's already there. And we've got to get up to that mountainous region outside of with the radio antenna. Okay. Oh, he's already there. Well, what does this guy got? But yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a minor quibble. Is you know needs of the needs of the plot, I guess. Yeah. No, I enjoyed the vibe of it. Uh, I, I liked kind of the. Uh, almost American graffiti Wolfman Jack <laughs> hanging out at the radio station at night bit. Um, I, this, this is one that doom definitely did not feel competent as, as an assassin um, because it's like, well, we, we've got to kill this monster. Okay. Well, let's stop him from transmitting for help. Yeah. No, just kill him. That, I, that's the whole, no, you're right. And you're you didn't right. even do that. Right. I mean, you, you, right. you know, we, 
uh, ooh, uh, Brian took out the power grid and then you had to come up with something else. It was like, uh, I don't know that okay. she seemed incompetent, but more that she was just on her back footing the, through the entire story. And that was definitely overpowered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea that, that Brian is there to watch it because she failed her last mission. She's getting a second chance here, but he's going to be there to kind of make sure that she gets this one done. And if she doesn't, then she's his next contract. So I kind of liked that concept and that kind of gave a reason for him to be there. The other thing that this answered for us was that Mm -hmm. we know that this is taking place in Brian's timeline after Time Lord Victorious because they referenced the fact that he once wiped out the entire uh, guild. And that would have happened. That was what had happened prior to uh, Time Lord Victorious. So at some point, uh, the guild has been reformed and has new assassins. And this gives us at least a, a point in Brian's Brian's timeline. Yeah, I like the fact that, you know, he's still with the order because he gave the new regime their yeah. power. So <laughs> right. he gets to stick around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, uh, Brian is the reason this story works. Mm-hmm. It's a reason it's enjoy as enjoyable as it is because Doom is on the back foot the whole time, which is frustrating. We do get a little bit of a kind of rationale of why she's picking what she's picking for assassinations, trying to focus on Earth because she knows that's a good chance oh. of where the doctor might be at some point. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. But and, and it's nice that well, there is a tangentially doctor related thing. And this one, it's, it's more lesser order of Oberon related than anything else. Uh, yeah. And and it's a fairly standard story. I mean, it's a hunt them down and try to kill them and struggle and struggle and eventually succeed. Thanks to Mr. Ball. <laughs> well, that's the other thing that I think was, I kind of liked about it is the fact that Brian becomes who, Brian's the reason why everything is going at least favorably for them. You know, every time something happens, he's at least there to kind of make sure that it doesn't go entirely south. But I do like the fact that then when he's incapacitated, she still, it's still him that is the reason why, but she's the one that gets to pull the trigger, you know, by using the ball. So I thought that was kind of cool that, after all of that, after being on her back foot, after Brian pretty much doing everything in this story, when he's out, then she uses him, you know, Mr. Ball in order to take the guy out, take the, the yeah, the beast out. So I, I kind of liked that, how it ended. And then Brian giving her credit for it. So. And it just kind of goes to show that really Brian's the universe's best assassin. Exactly. <laughs> As he should be. All right, then our last story is Deep Space. And uh, Sean has been chomping at the bit to talk about this because this was his favorite one of all of these stories. No. <laughs> this is where it went. Then, wah. Yeah, it's not quite Price's Right Horn, but uh, we're, 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 we're in game show territory here. Um. So a change of setting, forbidden world, off in the middle of nowhere, everything's dying. Okay, cool. Um, and then the doctor shows up, and it's very obviously the doctor, and it's written for us to know that it's the doctor. But then we spend how long? A good cat chunk of it. around whether or not it's the doctor. Yep. And it's like, if you're going to tell us up front that this is who this is just 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 do it just and let doom realize who it is yeah there's no reason to to keep it a secret it's it's not like she hasn't encountered other incarnations of the doctor before and it's not like it's the incarnation she's looking for either right right I could see it if it's the incarnation she's looking for they kind of tease and drag it out a little bit for for this, there's no reason for it. It's also frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating whenever they do it, but it's also frustrating that of all of the doctors that Doom has run into, 
at no point in time has she really just said, please tell me where to find so-and-so. You know, (laughs) they they get wrapped up in the adventure and we've got a bomb that's going to go off or there's a this that's going to happen. I get that there's a time crunch and there's other factors, but it's it's not that hard to just say, hey, after this is done, (laughs) I really need some help. (laughs) Just 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 a just a hint would be you don't have what? to break the laws of physics of time just just tell me where you're going to be at and on <laughs> tuesday and I'll, I'll go i'll go there that's a that's a good point and because they've they've kind of alluded to the fact that it wasn't in any of these stories or maybe it was but maybe it was this one but anyway at some point he has sort of implied that he can't give her the information that she needs because he knows the outcome. And so he knows that she does have to encounter his first incarnation again in order to either fix or come to the realization that there is no fix for this. And so he's been really coy about that, but I kind of agree with you, Sean, that at some point the doctors could say, well, you know where you can find me is, you know, and so although maybe... Maybe the first doctor knows that she spent 24 hours looking for him. So the doctor has to let that play out. So every time he meets her in another incarnation, he has to wait until she's at least to her 23rd hour before he he puts her in the right direction. I don't know. I suppose that's a possibility. It's just the cat and mouse is getting very frustrating. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And there's been instances, I think it was even in this one, where he implies that he doesn't fully remember what exactly happened either. That's where they go with this one is they, they, they make it, they make a point that it's now so far in his past that he doesn't remember so much. And I think that's kind of the excuse that this writer decided to go with. I don't think that this writer, although maybe because it had happened before and, and the second doctor, I, now I think about it is the one I think that, sort of implied that although you it would have to be a later incarnation that would anyway yeah I, I think that's where the writer went with this one because i think the writer clearly knew that well this doctor can't give her the information and has to have an excuse for not being able to give the information so it's the i don't quite remember you <laughs> situation right which okay it's the 12th doctor it's so far in the past for him that's at least you know, plausible. Yeah. Yeah. It could be after confession dial too, which, you know, is another several million years. Yeah, that's true. They don't really place this. Then we get into the, um, Oh, it's a revenge story and it's psychotropic or, uh, you know, uh, projections of what could be in the, you know, which anytime you do that in an audio format, it's a little, Hard to follow. Confusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, agreed. And you know, okay, we we a little lost, but then we caught up. Okay, I, I'm with you. But it just, I don't know, it wasn't that interesting of a story, I guess, for for all of the 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 hoopla to go along with it, and then the fact that it's a, I don't even know how to say it. It's future revenge. Yeah, right. Uh, in, in in every possible future that I have foreseen, you have thwarted me. So I lured you here as part of this trap in order to get you out of the way. Right. Uh, it's a little far-fetched, isn't it? I mean... <laughs> well, well especially it. considering that was two's plan, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the two of you had this thought. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I just, no, I, I agree. It co- just... Coming off of the other ones, I was this was a fizzle to end the in the set with, yeah. and it was frustrating from the standpoint that this was the first. This was really the first time where I felt like we were getting Suze Kempner as Doom. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, it was her in the first one, but this one felt more like an acting gig than a, a you know than a narration or something. So this is the one that really should have worked, and yet felt like it was the furthest from. I wonder if working. I wonder if that comes across because she's having to try harder to 
perform here because of how confusing it gets with the, uh, I don't know what the projections or whatever, the things that the, 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 uh, illusions that they're seeing. And so I wonder if she feels like she has to perform here and maybe that's why it comes across more of as a performance rather than a reading. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, um, three pretty decent stories and then this one does fizzle at the end. And so it's kind of a letdown and unfortunately it's, it's the last one and it's actually one with a doctor and it's one of, you know, a, a fan favorite doctor. And then they end up not utilizing it very well. So, yeah, I don't know. I am looking forward to, uh, well, I was, about to, I, I was about to say I'm looking forward to this being over. That's not what I mean. I am looking forward <laughs> to this. I'm looking forward to it being over. I'm looking forward to this coming to a conclusion. I am excited that the big finish one is is next. I hope that means we end, well, we're not going to end. It's the penultimate part. But hopefully that means we're going to go out on a somewhat high note. Um, and then, of course, we turn around and James Goss gives us the wrap up in the last hour in a, another short story. So we'll see where they go. But I am excited that now it's Big Finish's turn because, I mean, gen- generally, Big Finish does a good job with everything that they get their hands on. And so I'll be interested to see where they take this story because they get the next, what, four hours, right? That'll be the last ones besides the final hour, which is the, yeah, so they get four more they get four hours out of this next batch. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Yeah, it definitely will. True. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. All right, well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, I will be on vacation. But the uh, remaining two-thirds of the podcasting will be uh, on, as usual, covering uh, the BBC audiobook Teeth of Ice, an Eighth Doctor audio original. I like how you schedule Eighth Doctor stuff when I'm gone. So, <laughs> so kind of you. Well, you're going <laughs> to Disney without me, so there. <laughs> Did we lose Sean? <laughs> He went to Disney already. I guess so. He's checked out. He was so nice to you. This isn't Disney World. <laughs> he was so mad that we <laughs> scheduled an eight doctor story without. He's just got the you guys. I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> um, followed by the Annihilators, which is uh, the third Doctor Adventures nine from Big Finish. Uh, yeah, the Chris and then, reason uh, we're doing that is because that will be revisiting some season six B, because we get uh, guest appearance in that story by the second Doctor and Jamie. Oh, which is what was referenced in James yeah. Robert yeah. McCrimmon. Right. The season six B part five tag that you have above this that I didn't read suddenly makes a lot more sense <laughs> now. <laughs> Uh, and then some more uh, Once in Future for the 60th anniversary tie-in. We'll get uh, Once in Future, The Martian Invasion of Planetoid 50. What a great sci-fi pulp title that is. <laughs> and then uh, some more Liberation of the Daleks comics with uh, the 14th Doctor. Looking forward to delving back into that with parts 9 through 12. Mm-hmm. So, much more stuff to come. And as always, of course, the schedule can change at a moment's notice if we get word that, uh, you know, who is coming back on TV. Well, all of this gets paused while we go deal with the new hotness. Yeah. That we're trying to stay as close to um, release dates. So if anything changes with any of the stuff we're reviewing in the next few weeks, we'll have to uh, bump stuff out too. But I think we're still, I think we're still on track. Also true. <laughs> 
All right. Well, you can find us at uh, travelingthevortex.com. And if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on our Patreon link and be consider becoming a patron and supporting us there. Um, it really helps keep the uh, lights on. We do have a... Um, we do have a server um, fee coming up very, very soon, and uh, we're not quite there yet as far as enough to pay for it. So we need your help. We need you to sign up and help us out, get us over that line, get us over that hump. I won't say how much it is, but we, we need to get there. We need to reach it. So <laughs> if you can help us out, even if it's just for one month, signing up, giving us you know a buck or two or five or ten, and then, you know, even if you pull out, we don't want you to pull out. We want you to keep paying for the content. But uh, and even if you have to pay out or pull out, we understand. But and and maybe come back every once in a while. But we're, we're trying to give you guys some great content up there um, on the patron site. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you're enjoying it. And I keep promising a quiz and it is coming soon. We're just I'm finalizing some of the quiz answers. We've written so many of them now that uh, I'm starting to run out of quiz quiz questions so <laughs> um but yeah please if if you can please consider supporting us there and spread the word um get out there and give us a five-star review on whatever um podcast site that you subscribe to or a podcast uh aggregator that you uh subscribe to us on it helps bump us up in the ratings recommendations it gets people listening to us and then make sure you join in the conversations on our listeners forum on facebook you can engage with us on our facebook page we're also on x odd to say that now and um we are also on tiktok so you can reach out to us there and uh, follow us there as well is there anything else i need to um cover before we close this show seems like i had one more thing but well if you guys don't know then if that's it for this week until next time <laughs> i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing ya Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.